Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Church. Amen. Amen. My name is Jose Figueroa. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And I have the uh, privilege and the honor to be able to share God's word with you today. You know, when it comes to uh, the Christmas season, uh, it's one that should be filled with joy. And today we, um, we are week two of our Christmas series titled The Promise. And if you missed the first message of the series, I want to encourage you to go to our webpage. You can either listen to it or you can see it online. Uh, also, it's, uh, uh, the message is available to you uh, through our church app. You might, if, you're, if you're here for the very first time, you might be wondering what that's all about. You can go to Google, uh, Google Play or the Google Store or the App Store, and you can just type in Chicago Tabernacle, and, and our app will, will pop up. And if you download it, you'll have access to not only the sermons, but also the notes as well as devotionals. So I want to encourage you to go ahead and do that. Um, you know, the Christmas season, for me, it's one in which I look forward to every year. It's one that in my heart brings me great joy. Why? Because one, we're celebrating the, the, the life of Jesus Christ. But also, it's a time where, where we get to spend time with family, right? You get days off of work, you can get spend time with family. Uh, you know, you buy gifts for kids or gifts for family members, you receive gifts. It's a time in which we see our favorite Christmas movies. You know, I don't know about you, but I look forward to like the old school Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Santa Claus is coming to town, right? Now, I know there was a big controversy the other day about Rudolph because uh, the female deer wasn't allowed to go look for him. They said, no, this is not woman's work. And I was like, are you kidding me? These things are pure. This is fun. And I really enjoy uh, looking at those old stories. But you know, honestly... The true meaning of the Christmas miracle, or the true joy that comes with Christmas, um, I was, it was made known to me this year through my children. So I have two kids. Uh, the first, uh, Isabel, she's our oldest, she's seven years old. Gabriel, uh, our son, he's four. And when Isabel was born, she was born in January. And prior to that, my wife and I, we were living in the Dominican Republic. And when we uh, made the transition overseas, it's not like you can get Christmas trees in, uh, in the DR. You know, it's a tropical place. But we were tempted to go ahead and buy one from the store, but we didn't. Well, when Isabel was one years old, since we, we planned on spending uh, a major time within the DR, we weren't planning to come back to the United States, we thought about buying a Christmas tree. But if you know my daughter, we, we often say she's electric. She's like electric. She's moving from here to there. She's very excitable. And she's been like that from birth. So in year one, she went like from rolling over to running. And when she would take off, she, she was getting into everything. You know those little hinges on the, on the cabinet doors? Those things couldn't even keep her out. Right? She, she realized on how to get in. She would climb over the, uh, the, the barriers that, like for the stairs. And she'd get, she was getting into absolutely everything. So when we thought about getting a Christmas tree, we're like, you know what? I think we better hold off because if we were to buy one, instead of it being up, it would spend most of its time laying down on top of her. So we're like, no, nah, you know what? I don't think so. So then three years gone by, and we thought about it again, and then Gabriel was born, and you know what? He's giving her a whole lot of competition. He wants to keep up with his sister. So he also went from crawling and, uh, to not even crawling. He went from rolling over to running, and we're like, you know what? We're going to, we need to wait, right? 
So uh, we were up in uh, Wisconsin. My, my in-laws live in Wisconsin, and we were spending the Thanksgiving holidays there. And my mother-in-law, right after the Thanksgiving feast, the day after, wanted to set up her Christmas tree with the grandchildren. So we went and we kind of pulled the Christmas tree out of storage and we brought it out and uh, uh, we started assembling it. And my kids were really excited because this was the first time that they were ever able to decorate a tree. So they were excited and grandma would like give them the branches and they were hanging the branches and she was handing them ornaments and they would hand the ornaments, so on and so forth. So when we get home, my kids started asking me, Dad, can we have a Christmas tree? And I kind of looked at them, I said, well, you know, we'll see. See, because my wife and I, we bought a little three-foot tree. And it kind of sat on the table. You know, I just told you that my kids are into everything. And so we figured we'd buy kind of like the centerpiece on the table, little three-foot tree. We bought ornaments. We put them on there. We had the little battery-operated lights, and it was good, right? So, uh, and, and it also kept them safe because it was at a place where, where normally they wouldn't be playing with. It would be on the table. So they were asking us for a Christmas tree, and I'm like thinking, like, well, you know, we'll see about that. Because my wife, she loves real trees. And I'm like thinking, it's like if I buy a tree, you know, there's pine needles on the floor, and I'm going to walk in, and then you got to water it, and then pine gum gets down, and it's going to be in my socks. I really don't know about that. Because I grew up just buying, uh, I grew up with the Christmas trees that you pull out of the box, and they're like kind of an umbrella, right? You just kind of open it up, and you set it down, and voila, it's all there. And now the trees even come with ornaments, so you don't have to do absolutely anything besides take it out of the box. So I was looking at those trees, and let's be honest, it was like four or 500 bucks for a fake tree. I'd rather drop the $40 at Home Depot and buy the real one. So I bought a real Christmas tree. And uh, the kids were in school, so I brought it up the stairs. I live on a second floor apartment, uh, and I have like this enclosed porch, so I left the tree right outside of the door. So when the kids came home from school, I was like, hey, you know what, let's get to homework. We kind of played things off, didn't say anything. I was like, Isabel, you don't do your homework. And Gabriel, we, get, we give him homework so he can leave his sister alone. Right. He's in preschool, and you know he does his ABCs in schools. He's in all-day preschool, and when he gets home, we're like finding color sheets. We make him do his ABCs and his one, two, threes. We make him count to 100 in Spanish, and we give him a whole lot of things so that way Isabel can focus on doing her homework. Because if she doesn't focus on doing her homework, it will be 1 o'clock in the morning, and she'll still be trying to do her homework. So we're like, okay. All right, Gabriel, here's some work. Isabel, do some work. It's like, we want you to finish it really, really quick today because we have a surprise. That was the wrong thing to say because you told my kids they have a surprise. They're like, yeah, what's the surprise? What's the surprise? Tell me, tell me, what's the surprise? What's the surprise? And she stopped doing her homework. And I was like, Isabel, you need to finish your homework, and after you're done with the homework, we'll give you the surprise. So that day, she finished her homework extra fast. And Gabriel was really excited, so they're like, so what's the surprise? And I was like, well, you're just going to have to wait a second. Why don't you go ahead and get changed and put on your play clothes, and then afterwards, you know, well, I'll show you the surprise. So while they were changing, I went out to the porch, and I grabbed the Christmas tree, and I brought it in. And I said, surprise, Merry Christmas. And I don't know what hit them, but my joy welled up in their bodies, and Gabriel starts dancing, and Isabel starts doing the shimmy across the room, and like their eyes and their faces just lit up with joy and excitement. 
And then my wife, she brings out the Christmas ornaments and she brings out several boxes. And when she sat them down, the kids dove into the boxes and they started ripping out the paper and they started pulling out the ornaments. And my wife was like getting nervous because some of them were glass. And they were, uh, were kind of like, they, she received them when she was young. And like when she was like four or five years old, she, she kept them, believe it or not. But anyways, they, the kids were bringing out these ornaments and they were super excited. And as the more that they got excited, the more stressed out I got. And my joy was being robbed because I was like, no, you're going to break it. No, slow down. You're going to knock over the tree. No, don't put it like this because it'll tilt over, so on and so forth. But our children were filled with such excitement and joy because I brought them a Christmas tree and, I, and we brought out the ornaments. You know, it got, it, it started making me think about a few things. It got me to really kind of look at this a bit because it was like, you know what? A tree brought simple joy to my children. How much more should the birth of Jesus Christ bring us joy today? Right? The Bible records that God entered into this world. We received the greatest present to lay down his life so that today we can experience joy and joy to the fullest. And the Christmas miracle is available to us every day. You know, the promise of God, it brings joy. But although his promises bring joy, I want to suggest to you that joy comes when we seek him. Joy comes when we seek him. And I titled the message today, Seeking the King's Joy. And we're going to be looking at, at the, um, at the uh, Christmas story as recorded in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. So if you have your Bibles, if you have your apps, uh, if you're on, our, uh, um, on the church app or, or you version or whatever it is that you use for the word of God, I'm going to ask you if you turn on your, your phones and you turn to that or you turn your, to your uh, you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And the word of God says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and awed Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we just thank you, Lord God, for your word. We thank you, Lord God, for for the promise of joy that comes, oh God, through the person of Jesus Christ. 
We thank you, Lord God, that you're leading and that you're guiding. And we ask, oh God, that you would bless, oh God, uh, the, um, the word this morning. And that, Father, that you would hide me behind your cross. Father, remove every distraction and obstacle that could present itself from receiving, Father, what you would have us to hear this day. We give you thanks, and we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Before we dive into this passage, I want us to, uh, I want us to take a look at, at uh, one of the central characters, the Magi. You know, Matthew was writing to the nation of Israel, and he wanted to make sure that his people understood who Jesus was. Now, what I find interesting is that the word that he uses for the Magi in some of your Bibles that may be wise men was the word magos. This word magos is the word in which we get uh, the word magician. Now, the Magi, uh, it was the name of the priests and wise men among the Medes, Persians, and Babylonians. Uh, they specialized in the study of astrology and enchantments and thus were known as enchanters and magicians. If you think about that, the Magi were spiritualists. Today, they would be known as like tarot card readers, fortune tellers, or even warlocks. In Spanish, we would call them piritita. But yet, the Bible records that they were wise men. These men, Magi, were given to looking towards the stars, right? They received their spiritual directions and the things that were happening in the celestial realm. Now, how many of you know that if you're seeking direction from the stars, if it's not coming from Jesus, where is it coming from? Right? It's coming from the enemy. And these men were open to spiritual things and they were looking for wisdom and direction from the stars. Now, since they looked at the stars often, right? They kind of had a general understanding of the constellations and all those things. They saw something extraordinary. They saw a star that stood out amongst the stars. And when they saw that star, they began looking for the meaning of that star. And I want to suggest to you that when we're seeking joy, there's three components. And the first one to seeking joy is that it requires us to be looking. Seeking joy requires looking. Look at what the passage says. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, the Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it arose and have come to worship him. Now, the question remains is, how did they, how did they know to go to Israel? These guys were magicians. They were pagans. And when they saw the this celestial display of the coming king, they, when they saw this special star that stood out among the stars, they knew that someone special entered into existence. And they would have started looking. They would have started looking at, at the text that they had available. And they would have come across a passage that is found in, in Numbers chapter 24, verse 17. And it says this. A star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Israel. When they saw the star and they came across this passage, it just all made sense to them. They knew that stars were associated with kings. And they knew that this passage told them that a king came out of the nation of Judah. It came out of through Jacob. But not only was he a regular king, since the scepter will rise out of Israel, the scepter represented authority and power. So this told them that there was a king that would come and rule with authority and power, and this king was found in Israel. 
This is why when they read this, something happened. It was so special that it would cause the Magi to take a step forward. But what does looking look like? You know, the Bible records that these men were looking to the stars, and then they went to find the meaning of it. You know, sometimes when we're looking for things, we have to look in the scriptures, and we have to stop looking in other things to fulfill us or to bring us complete joy. Oftentimes when we're looking for joy, we'll turn to a person, we'll turn to a thing, we'll turn to a vice. And the Bible records through this story that true joy comes when we look intently in the scriptures of Jesus Christ. Joy comes when we put our focus on Jesus Christ. Joy comes when we come to the scriptures and find a promise to the very things that we're struggling with. And it's only in that will we find true fulfillment. You know, I came across um, an article the other day. It really speaks to the looking component. There was a couple who uh, boarded the Norwegian cruise lines, and they got on this ship, and, uh, uh, and it was going to be traveling throughout the, the Caribbean, and one of the stops was in Cuba. But a month prior to them getting on the boat, um, the cruise line sent the messages stating that, uh, uh, that the boat would leave early from the port of Cuba. Oftentimes when it stopped at the port, the boat would leave at 5 o'clock, and this time it was going to leave a whole lot, whole lot earlier. And according to the article, the cruise line sent like three to four different um, notices that this boat would leave early. But not only that, when the boat came to port, uh, the captain got over the PA system and made an announcement. And he said that we would be leaving earlier. Not only did he make the announcement, he put signs uh, through the hallways and through the exit and the entrance stating that the boat would leave early. Well, guess what happened? This couple went out. They were enjoying Cuba. In their mind, it was 5 o'clock. When they came to the port, the boat was gone. It left. Look, they had all of the signs, but they weren't looking. They were giving advance notice, but they weren't paying attention. And instead of experiencing joy of this trip, they experienced a whole lot of frustration because they missed it and they had to buy a ticket in cash to fly back to the United States where they were from. And when they, when they attempted to call the cruise lines, the cruise line says, like, look, it's your responsibility to get there on time. It's not ours. Not only did we tell you in a month in advance, we made an announcement. And not only did we uh, make an announcement, we put a whole lot of signs to make sure that you didn't miss out. It's not our fault that you didn't pay attention. We gave you all the signs. In the same way, the Lord Jesus Christ left us plenty of signs for us to follow. We just need to look intently into the scriptures and not in the situations that we face, not in other people or not in things, but only to Jesus. Seeking joy requires us to be looking, but not looking at our circumstances. We need to be looking upwards. Now, the Magi were looking, they received a promise from God, and it's good that we received promises, but it didn't stop there, right? The passage that we just read says that they went to Jerusalem. And the second component when it comes to seeking joy is that seeking joy requires travel. Seeking joy requires us to take a journey. Now for the Magi, it meant a 1,548 mile journey. 
We have this map up, and I want us to take a look at this. Now, the Magi, it says that they were, they were from uh, the nation of Persia, and uh, they were Babylonian. We come to find, at least that's what the historians and the commentators say, that the Magi were Babylonian. So they would have come from Iran. So this point over here to the right-hand side is Iran. And now between Iran and Bethlehem is 1,548 miles. But from the point of Iran to like Najaf, there's a mountain range there, and that mountain range is called the Zargos Mountain Range. Now, that mountain range is a total of 990 miles wide. And it is noted or recorded that there's some extremely high peaks and very low valleys. Not only did they have to traverse across this mountain range, when they got to Baghdad, they had to cross over 600 miles of desert in order just to get to Israel. The equivalent to this is like us leaving here and going to the Florida Keys, the southernmost tip. Now we can just jump in our cars and go if we really want to, but how many of us just for fun will jump in our car and go to Florida, right? In order to do that, it takes a great investment. It takes preparation and intentionality. You just don't get in a car and go. Now, these men decided to leave because not only did they see something extraordinary in the sky, that they began wondering, they began looking into the scriptures, and they received the promise. And they knew exactly where to go. And because of the promise that they had received, something happened in their heart that caused them to take steps of faith to push forward to see the coming king. Now, you got to understand something. These guys weren't in a Porsche or a Ferrari. They had the Porsche of the day, and that was a camel. Now, it's recorded that a camel can run up to 25 miles an hour, and they can go for a long distance, but 25 miles an hour through mountains and desert, I don't think the camel's running. At best, a camel walking will do 10 to 15 miles a day. So if you did the math, it took the Magi approximately four months to get from Iran to Bethlehem. Not only was it, was it cost, not only did it cost them time, it also cost them resource and energy. Because they would have to have taken anything. It's not like they could stop at a 7-Eleven or a Sicko on the way. Right? I mean, if they needed water, they had to bring it. Now, they, these men also understood where points of resource were. Now, there was two ways to travel to Bethlehem. They could have taken the top route, but they decided to take the bottom route, which is a little bit longer. And the reason why they did that is because there was pockets of water. And the camels needed water. You needed water and able to make it across the desert. So although they kind of went through valleys and, 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 and high mountain points and all these things, they would get refreshed here in Basra all the way to Baghdad. They'd fuel up. They'd grab their water. They'd take a shower or whatever it is that they needed to do so they could trek the 600 miles to Bethlehem. Now, these men acted upon the very thing that kind of moved their hearts, right? And the Bible records that when they got to Bethlehem, they didn't walk into a celebration. They didn't. Look at this, look at this next slide. It says, when King Herod, when the Magi arrived, right, they walked into 
uh, King Herod's temple because where else do you find a king? Right? They've received the promise that a king was born. Naturally, you would go to the king's palace. So the Magi, when they got to Jerusalem, they walked through uh, Jerusalem. They went to King Herod's palace. And when they, when they met with King Herod and King Herod heard what the Magi had said, the Bible records that they were disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. Now, I could imagine the excitement that they experienced during this journey. And then they would come to the place where the Messiah was supposed to be, and the people didn't even want to hear it. They didn't even receive them. The Bible says that they were disturbed. Now, what I find really interesting is that King Herod didn't even realize that the star was in the sky. And he was the king of Israel. You would think that the king of Israel would be looking for the Messiah. And he wasn't. The nation of Israel, they were, waiting for, for, uh, they were waiting for the Messiah to come so that the nation of Israel would be restored into power. During this time, the Romans were in power, and the Romans were calling the shots, and a lot of the Israelites were being oppressed. And the Magi came proclaiming the good news that the Savior of Israel was born, and Herod was disturbed. You want to know why he was disturbed? Because Jesus Christ meant that his power was in jeopardy. And in history, this man even killed his children to protect his throne. He was caught up and riddled with fear. And that fear kept him from experiencing the miracle of Jesus. But not only that, Herod asked the, the, the chief priests, the religious leaders, the pastors, the rabbis of the time, and said, hey... Where's, uh, uh, where's the Messiah supposed to be born? Now, they knew immediately where, right? They, record, uh, they recite the scriptures, and they said, in Bethlehem and Judah. That's where you're supposed to be born. The chief priests also saw this caravan, and they also knew why they were there. But they were so caught up in themselves their traditions and their religion, that they didn't even realize the Messiah came in. When, when the Magi arrived in Jerusalem, you know what they were faced with? Politics and religion. They were excited and they went on a great journey, right? Because they saw the sign, they were looking and they saw it, they received the promise and they decided to travel. And when they get there, all they received was great disappointment. How many of you can recognize with that? How many of you can say that, you know, in your looking and in your search, oftentimes, or maybe there's been times that you've been disappointed. Maybe you put your trust in a leader. Maybe you put your trust in a church and someone confronted you and you got hurt. And then all of a sudden you started focusing on the inside and you experienced disappointment and you weren't able to see or experience the joy of Jesus Christ. And this is what was happening. The Magi came. To proclaim the coming of the king. And the nation of Israel just got bothered. I could imagine what they must have felt like. Four months going through highs and lows. Traveling through a desert. And when you come to Israel, the people are upset that you got there. It was kind of like when they walked in, they were... People were me mugging, kind of looking at them like, why are you here? 
was like, really? You stinky camel? Can you imagine that? But this is what, what happened. You know, the Magi went on a journey because they were looking for joy. And joy requires us to travel. So you might be asking, what does traveling look like? You know what? When you receive a promise, you have to act on it. Traveling requires us to move forward instead of being stuck. You know, there's been times in my Christian walk in which I would hold on to a truth. You know, I didn't grow up in church, and I experienced, um, I took to the streets even though uh, I had both my parents and my, my dad was extremely conservative. But I'm very much like my children. I'm very outgoing. Um, I like to experiment. And um, I'm kind of ex I'm extremely independent. And my parents would call me cabecidudo. That means kind of hard-headed. And uh, they, would, they, they did their best to keep me from the junk of this world. But, you know, I was extremely intentional on, on just kind of just jumping with both feet in. I used to love to dance. And, and uh, I would sneak out of the house to go and dance uh, in, in kind of like battles and clubs and stuff like that as a kid. And when I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, I began looking. And even though I began looking, I really didn't know what it looked like to take steps forward. I didn't know what it looked like to, to, to travel through things. And every time that a difficulty would happen, I just kind of stop and I would push away from Jesus. I would kind of like not want to dig into the word of God. And I couldn't understand that. This is the very thing that I wanted because when I accepted Christ for the very first time, I experienced this joy. And when I started reading his word, it kind of filled me with joy. But there was something inside of me that kept me from traveling forward. Although I was looking and I was following, there were things that were obstacles. There were thorns in my flesh that kind of stopped my ability to really dig in. And when it comes to receiving joy in the travels, we have to be willing to push through the dark and difficult places. We have to be willing to look intently into the scriptures so that it will give us the strength to move forward and to begin this journey that Jesus Christ has for us. Traveling forward requires us to strengthen ourselves in the word of God and not remain stuck and take one step of faith at a time. Amen? Amen. You know, what keeps us? What keeps us from experiencing the joy that Jesus Christ has for us? You know, for King Herod, it was his position. It was his status. It was wealth. For the religious leaders, the ones who were supposed to teach the nation of Israel and the ones who God gave them the promise, it was their tradition and their religion. I want to suggest that there's so many things that will distract us to keep us from the pure joy that we need to be intentional in moving forward. Look, God didn't hide himself. He didn't hide himself from anyone. He allowed himself to be seen. 
right? He sent a sign to shine brightly in the sky. And you know the scripture said in the same way he come in, he will return for us. But not only will there be a great sign in the sky, there's going to be a great, uh, a great sound that will take place. The Bible records that the trumpet will blast and proclaim the coming of the Lord. And he's going to be seen by the entire world. But guess what? We're not going to see him if we're not looking. And we're not going to experience the joy that he allows us if we're not moving forward, if we're not traveling we can't allow our traditions, we can't allow our positions, we can't allow our fear to keep us from moving forward. We have to press on. Amen? Amen. The third component to seeking joy is that seeking joy requires us to worship. Seeking joy requires worship. Look at what it says here. It says, when they, the Magi, saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Even though they left Israel, they left the palace of the king, when they stepped out, guess what they did? They looked up again. And the Bible records that they saw the star, the very star that led them to Israel, that they saw it again. And they decided to follow that star. And they decided to press through, even though Israel wasn't ready to receive him. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. When they saw the representation of Christ, they were filled with joy and they pressed through. And when they got to the house, what happened was they were so filled with joy. When it says overjoyed, it's like exceeding joy. It's like overjoy. It's like joy, joy, joy. It's more than even joy can express right it's like you think of the word joy and it's like overjoyed it's more than joy what's more than joy i don't know elation i know being ecstatic but they were filled with so much joy that it caused them to bow down and worship him they fell to their knees and they worshiped the king of kings and the lord of lords it was at that moment that they experienced the true fulfillment of joy is when they surrendered their hearts and their worship now it says that the kings came bearing gifts I should say the wise men because they weren't kings they came to see the king they were magicians but they didn't come empty-handed they came with some gifts and the gifts that they brought were gold incense or frankincense and myrrh so what does that mean for us today When they bowed down to the king, what they did was they laid down their wealth. Now these men were rich. And when they, when they came to the place where the king of kings and the lord of lords was laying, you have to understand, he was laying in a manger. He was laying in a trough, a place where food was, was placed for animals. And he's supposed to be the king of Israel. But that didn't stop them from worshiping. 
they recognized that this king was an extraordinary king. He was a king for the people. Because he came in a simple way. And they laid down their wealth. Now when it says that they also laid down incense or frankincense, right? we know that through the scriptures that frankincense was used in the place of worship. The, the uh, religious leaders, the rabbis, right, that would enter into the holies of holies to make atonement for the nation of Israel. In other words, that they would bring the sacrifices to the place where, where, where God would, would be present. They would come in with, with kind of like a canton with incense. And these incense were frankincense. So when the magi laid down the incense, what they were saying is like, look, we are laying down our worship. We're not caught up in our positions. We're not caught up in who we are. We're not caught up in the wealth. We are caught up in the, in the presence of God, and we're laying down our worship. And the third thing is myrrh. Now, myrrh is an ingredient that was used for anointing, anointing oil in life and also anointing a body in death. But it was also used as a medicine. So when the magi laid down the myrrh, what they were saying is or communicating is that, I'm laying down my life. You know, when it comes to worship, God made us to worship. He created us to worship. And if we're not worshiping Jesus, we're worshiping something. For Herod, he was worshiping his wealth and his position and his status. For the religious leaders, unfortunately, they were worshiping their tradition and their position the religion. What are you worshiping today? Jesus. Amen. I hope everyone can say Jesus because if you're not worshiping Jesus, you're worshiping something. But let's just face it. Oftentimes the things that hold us from traveling through is the very thing that keeps us from worshiping Jesus. You might be here today and you might be experiencing great frustration. I know that I've talked with some of you, and some of you are going through some very difficult challenges, right? Loss of loved ones, uh, financial challenges. You know, in a time where it should be filled with joy, just like Pastor Matt said, oftentimes it's filled with despair. Why? Because we're focusing on the material versus the eternal and the spiritual. We're caught up financially because we want to give the perfect gift to our loved ones or, you know, uh, it's a time in which there's a whole lot of bills and you can't make ends meet. Why are there a lot of bills? Because we live in Chicago where it could be 40 degrees one day and 20 below the next day and you're forced to jack up the heat and people's gas is cashing in because you get a bill like three, four, five hundred dollars or a hundred bucks. It depends on the size of your house and it depends on the quality of your furnace. You can have a small place, but an old furnace, and you can get a bill for 400 bucks. Trust me, it's happened to me. And those bills will send you down a tailspin, right? But guess what? We serve a king that is able to satisfy any need and any debt that we may have. And instead of being stunted in our travels, instead of being stunted in our worship, we need to surrender it all to Jesus and proclaim his goodness and his faithfulness because the word of God says that the righteous have never been seen forsaken. In other words, they've never been rejected or begging for bread because he's always provided and he will provide today.
But when it comes to worship, we need to bring our best. You know, the Magi didn't just come with a box of Subway, right? They came with gold. These three elements were the, were the most expensive and precious elements for trading during the day. Frankincense and myrrh and gold were highly sought after. Now today, gold is highly sought after. Not so much the frankincense and myrrh, because that stuff is made easy, right? With Burberry and all the rest, we can just go to the store and just buy a bottle of fragrance. But this is not what, what the Word of God is talking about. When it talks about laying down our best for worship, when we're talking about giving the Lord what belongs to Him, sometimes it requires us to sacrifice. It requires us to press in. You know, the circumstances around us should not dictate on the way that we worship. Our view of Jesus will impact our worship. What we look to will impact our worship. How we travel through the journey will impact our worship. Because if we're not focused on the King, we're going to be focused on something. And the very things that we focus on will keep us from worship. We find joy in worshiping the Lord and not in our circumstances. So if you're here today and you're saying like, you know, my joy has been robbed. I want to encourage you today to seek Jesus. I want to encourage you today to push through the very thing that keeps you from experiencing the joy of Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you today to bow down your heart your mind and your soul to Jesus Christ in worship. Amen? Amen. Amen. Yeah, let's praise the Lord. Amen. Amen, for He is good. Amen. You know, the story is really dear to my heart. And when I had the privilege to share it, I was extremely excited. You want to know why I was excited? Because I've been looking for joy. You know, yesterday was an extremely hard day. And I looked at my wife. We had a bunch of errands and a birthday party and so on and so forth. And, and we just kind of like jammed the day. And instead of joy, you know, we went to, I'll tell you, we went to go take a Christmas picture. And we're not the most photogenic, and we're not the best, be the best family to take pictures. We struggled in that. And not only that, we were trying to do selfies for Christmas pictures. So we went to the botanical gardens, and, and something that, that we set out that bring us great joy just brought us great frustration. And then we hit the traffic and so on and so forth. We had to go to the hospital and run other errands, and, and it was just like it was a time crunch. And I looked at my wife, and I said, nope, I'm going to decide on joy. I am not going to allow the enemy to rob my joy today. Why? Because this is the very issue that God is dealing with my heart. Instead of looking at the situation, I'm going to look to Jesus. Instead of getting frustrated with you, I'm going to look to Jesus and we're going to press through. And instead of being stuck, we're going to continue moving forward. But then I looked at my, at my wife and my daughter says, my worship is my weapon. And I said, honey, put on a song and we're going to get to worshiping Jesus tonight, today. And we started singing in the car. And I have to admit, the atmosphere lightened up. It lightened up. Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you, whatever it is that you're facing, look to Jesus. 
find a promise to hold on to look into the scriptures and then begin to be begin to push forward because if you don't act upon the word of God you're going to stay stuck the Bible says don't be mere hearers of the word but doers of the word that means we need to put it into action and when we start taking steps forward even in the difficult moments we need to worship Jesus because the Bible promises that he inhabits the praises of his people that means that when you worship the Lord he comes down from heaven and he worships with you and when, wherever Jesus is, there is victory. And we can overcome any obstacle in Christ Jesus' name. The word of God says that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. So let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes for a minute. You know, when it comes to worship, sometimes we need to get to a quiet place in our minds and our hearts and we, we, we need to focus on Christ instead of focusing on who's to the left or to the right or even the situation that you came in here with. And you might be here. I know that uh, there's some of you that are visiting and you might be here today because someone invited you here and you didn't want to come, but you found yourself here. I want to suggest to you today that nothing happens by accident or coincidence and you are here because the spirit of the living God drew you here today. In the same way that star drew the magi to Israel, the spirit of God brought you here today. And maybe you're struggling. Maybe you tried this Jesus thing and it didn't work out because you put your trust and your faith or your confidence in someone and they let you down. I want to tell you that today is a day that you need to push through. And if you're here today and you haven't put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ, if you haven't laid down your life, your confidence in him, and in the hearing of this message, the spirit of God began stirring in your heart and you want to do that today, I want to ask you to raise your hand. Amen. Amen. If you are here today and if you haven't put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ and you're saying today I want to experience the joy that Jesus has for me. If you have not done that, would you raise your hand or maybe you have said it but you haven't been living for Jesus and you've been kind of living your own way and today you want to say, Jesus, I want to re uh, rededicate my life. Would you raise your hand and can you do it? Could you just raise it and keep it raised really high for me? Amen. There's a few. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now the Bible records that the Magi did something unique. They looked intently and they believed. And they got up and they traveled. Now this is not something that we do normally in this church. But I think it's important that when we put our and trust and faith in Jesus Christ, that we put our faith into action and we begin the journey with Jesus. So if that's you today and you raise your hand, would you do me a favor? Would you take courage and would you stand right to your feet? Would you be courageous today and take this first step of Jesus? If you raise your hand, would you stand? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Would you stand? Amen. Now the ushers are going to give you a box. In that box are resources for you to begin the journey with Jesus Christ. This man needs a box. Could we please give him one? Thank you. 
It'll give you the resources in the same way the Magi look towards the scriptures. We have a Bible in there and we want to encourage you to start reading the word of God. Because it's the word of God that produces life. It's the word of God that will help us journey through the difficult times. And it will also teach us how to worship. In the same way the Magi kind of laid down everything, I want to encourage you lay down your life and before we continue I want us to go ahead and pray for those of you who have stood we want to meet you and talk to you immediately after the service uh, we're gonna have pastors and leaders up here at the altar so please don't rush out you can spend two more minutes three more minutes after the service because we want to walk you through the gift that you just received we want to walk you through the scriptures there's also a little next steps packet in there we want to talk to you what this journey what this travel in Jesus Christ looks like so don't run off and please come and join us but the Bible says that if we can believe in our heart and that we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord that we shall be saved for those of you who said today you want to put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ I want to lead you in a prayer and I want to lead you in a prayer uh, maybe because you haven't won you haven't maybe you haven't done it before but two, the Bible says if you believe and you confess and I want to walk you through what that confession looks like in Jesus amen so let's bow our heads and repeat after me dear Jesus thank you for loving us so much thank you for entering into this world so that we can experience the fullness of joy thank you for living a perfect and sinless life thank you for going to the cross to pay for the penalty of my disobedience thank you for shedding your blood that washes my sin white as snow but Lord thank you for rising on the third day because when you rose you defeated sin and death and because you defeated death I can experience joy today thank you Lord and we ask this in Jesus name and everyone said amen 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 now for those of you who have been following Jesus and you've been going through a little something, right? You, you haven't been experiencing or walking in the joy that is offered to us in Jesus and we've allowed the situations or the distractions of life to get us down during this season that should bring us uh, joy. I want to invite you to the altar to lay everything down in worship to Jesus. In the same way the Magi bow down and worship Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to come to the altar and bow your heart before the Lord, asking the Lord Jesus to fill you with joy, asking him to remove the distractions that have kept you from experiencing his fullness. So if that is you today, let us all rise to our feet because 
the team is going to lead us in worship but if you are here today and you're struggling with a sickness if you're struggling with with a financial crisis if you're struggling with depression if you're struggling with addiction if there's something that is keeping you from experiencing the joy that is available to us in Jesus Christ would you come to the altar right now would you come and lift your hands to the Lord and surrender your worship because when you surrender your worship we allow for the Lord to come in and flood us with joy let us worship the Lord begin to pray.
Hallelujah, Lord God. Can we sing this song again, but this time, let us all lift up our hands and let's make this song a prayer. Let us confess to Jesus Christ that we surrender all to him, that we will withhold nothing to him.